You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hello and welcome to our weekly Market Talk podcast and Brexit update. Today is Tuesday the 3rd of December. I'm Stuart Banks from AIB Treasury and as usual I'm joined by Oliver Mangan, AIB's Chief Economist, to discuss the latest market developments and of course Brexit. Ollie, we're nine days out from the UK election and while the poll of polls is indicating a 43% share of the vote for the Conservative Party, the Labour Party are closing the gap at the expense of other parties such as the Lib Dems. How significant is this? Well, I suppose the starting position was that the Labour Party was well behind the Tories. Uh, and as you said, the gap is narrow, but still wide. I mean, the, the, the opinion polls are pretty consistent in suggesting that the Tory party will win an overall majority, maybe 40, 50, 60 seats. Uh, I suppose what's impressed from their point of view is their vote has been very solid over the last month at around 43, 44%. Uh, and that sets them on course for victory unless Labour Party really closes that gap to within five or six points. As you said, um, what's happened in the last two or three weeks is the Labour Party, which have been pulling around 25, 26%, has pulled up to around 32, 33 But it's at been at the expense of the Liberal Democrats. I mean, their vote has, I won't say it's collapsed, but it's fallen very sharply. They were polling around 20% in the polls. That's now down to around 13 or 14%. So there have been talk that the Liberal Democrats could increase their representation up to 40 or 50 seats. Uh, I think there were around 10 in the last election. Based on that sort of polling, you know, they're not going to get any increase in seats. So a gap of, let's say, 10 points Conservatives over Labour would result in an overall majority for the Conservative Party. And the other element which has surprised people in the polls is actually the Conservative Party has recovered ground in Scotland. There was a fear that, as in the 2015 election, they could face a complete wipeout of their seats. But actually, they've improved in Scotland. So overall, as things stand, uh, with nine days to go, as you say, it's the general election, it looks like we're on course that the Conservatives will win, I would say, a comfortable majority. It won't be a landslide, but uh, it'll be of the, it could be of the order of 30, 40, 50 seat majority. Okay. On the exchange rate front, um, Euro sterling's at 85p, um, levels we've uh, last seen in the first half of this year. What can we expect over the coming week? Well, you're right. Um, the sterling has been edging higher as polls continue to show a Conservative win. Uh, I think 85p is a big support level for the euro. I would expect the currency to knock around that 85 to 85.5p level over the next week. You would expect to see some bounce in sterling in the event that we get that clear-cut election win because that obviously sets up uh, the next parliament to pass the withdrawal bill and the UK to leave in an orderly fashion uh, the EU at the end of January. But gains may be limited. Um, you know, there's strong support for the euro at around 83, 84p. So it might go from 85, 85.5p up to around the 84p level. I don't see a big surge in sterling. This really should be discounted by the markets. You, you've been referencing the opinion polls. It should be a surprise to nobody if we see a Conservative win the election. Uh, the other thing that leaves me cautious and stirring is th- there might be some positive reaction uh, in the market if the, if there's a clear-cut election win. It removes the uncertainty within Parliament and what have you. But even if the UK leaves at the end of January, you know, we're into very difficult trade negotiations next year between the EU and the UK. And there's absolutely no guarantee that that will result in a trade deal or that the tra- tra- trade deal that emerges is a very weak trade deal, doesn't cover many sectors. 
And also, we've heard noises from the Tory party uh, in recent times in regard to taking back control. But I did know Boris Johnson saying that he wants uh, the ability to support UK industries with assistance, etc., uh, financial assistance when they leave the EU. That is not conducive to uh, participation in the single market. So w- we will have this, uh, I think, tension in the trade negotiations where the UK wants a trade deal but to follow its own rules and the EU will be saying, well, it's a level playing field here if you want access to our markets. And you have to wonder, um, you know, will we get a trade deal at all at, at the end of um, 2020? The other thing that Boris Johnson and the Conservative Party have been clear on is that that they don't want an extension to the transition period. The withdrawal agreement provides for a transition period to last from when they leave the EU, which is the end of January, until the end of 2020. There is scope within the treaty to extend that, but the UK don't want that. So, um, you know, most people say, well, 11 months is a very short period to negotiate a trade deal. And then if you're actually in disagreement about the broad principles of the trade deal, it's even going to be harder to... uh, to conclude that trade deal. So in those sort of circumstances, you can imagine all that uncertainty weighing on Sterling next year. So um, Sterling has been volatile this year. Uh, We saw it right through the year. It's traded between 85. It's been all the way up at 91. I wouldn't be surprised to see a similar range next year just because the UK leaves the EU at the end of January in an orderly fashion and with a withdrawal agreement doesn't mean that the period of turbulence for Sterling is over. Okay, and on the interest rate front, Dolly, um, as you say, the Tories are likely uh, to win the election. What what action could we see from the Bank of England if that were to, to hold true? Yeah, well, the Bank of England, um, at its last meeting, two of the nine-member uh, Monetary Policy Council voted for a rate cut. And what the Bank of England has been saying is that Brexit uncertainty is weighing on the economy, restraining growth, and that's absolutely correct. And if that was to continue, they would have to cut interest rates. Uh, I think a number of factors are pointing to uh, a rate cut in the UK, if not before Christmas, when the Bank of England meets in in the first or opening months of next year. One is growth has now decelerated to its weakest level since the financial crisis. The last set of figures were for the third quarter. Growth is down to 1% year on year. That's a very sluggish growth rate. Secondly, the labour market had held up. But again, the more recent data since the middle of the year show a contraction in employment. Thirdly, the PMI indicators for the UK economy, which give a sense of where the economy is at and likely to go, have been very weak in recent months. And we didn't get any bounce in the PMIs for November, despite the fact that we avoided that no-deal hard Brexit at the end of October. So that would suggest that uh, activity is going to remain sluggish. Uh, Fourthly, inflation in the UK has fallen sharply this year. It's down well below 2%. Uh, And finally, as I outlined to the previous question, that Brexit uncertainty, we feel, is going to last through next year, say the first half of next year. So it will continue to dampen business investment in particular. So you add all that together and you would think that the Bank of England is likely to cut rates uh, in the coming months. The markets are moving in that direction. Um, we, know, we know the UK generally moves in quarter point or 25 basis points moves. At this stage in the past week, the market has been pricing in somewhere between 15 and 20 basis points reduction in UK rates next year. And I think we'll probably get the full 25% uh, by the spring. Uh, moving away from the UK, Ollie, um, this week is a bit thin on the ground in terms of economic releases with uh, Friday's US non-farm payrolls being the highlight. What can we expect from the payrolls and is there anything else to look out for? Yeah, well, I think um, 
payrolls or the US employment report is the most economic or sorry, most important economic release uh, in any month in the US economy. What we've seen in the US has been a de- deceleration in the pace of growth this year. Uh, the second quarter and third quarter growth rates came in at 2%. The economy had been growing to 3% plus rate before that. Uh, that has manifested itself in somewhat weaker employment growth as well. I think the expectations will get a good figure for November because the data for um, October, the employment figures were depressed by a strike in General Motors, which has since been resolved. Uh, there are indications that the UK, you know, the, the US economy is doing quite well. The PMIs have picked up again. So uh, a strong employment report might be another indicator that the US economy uh, is, that the outlook remains reasonably favourable. Now, I don't think it'll pick up to a growth rate of 3% again or anything like that, but certainly it could continue to grow at a rate of 2% or 2.25% in the coming quarters. So a good US employment report would um, help convince the Fed to remain on hold. There is a disagreement between the Fed and the markets. The Fed is saying we think we've done three rate cuts, we think that's enough, the US economy should grow at a solid pace next year. The markets expect further easing. Uh, so you might see a reaction in the markets if there was a strong payroll support to scaling back some of that um, rate cuts that are in the market at the present time. So it will be the last major release of US data before the end of the year. So markets will be focused on it. And as I say, it it has the potential to move markets. I don't think it'll remove the dollar. Uh, The dollar remains well underpinned, but it could impact those interest rate expectations that are there for one or two more rate cuts in the US next year. Ollie, we'll leave it there for this week. Uh, Thank you as always for your insights and thanks also to our customers for listening in. To stay up to date with both the markets and Brexit, please press the subscribe button to AAB's Market Talk on the podcast apps for iOS or Android. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.